Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Payson. With me today, relationship life coach Cindy Chavez. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And in fact, we're happy to be doing anything at all, to be perfectly honest, Cindy, for a few reasons, not the least, which I didn't even tell you this before the pre-show, during the pre-show, but I haven't done a show in the last two days. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, because Monday, we didn't have any internet service or phone service, like for most of the day and into the evening. So that kind of knocked that one out. And then yesterday, Louise and I said, screw it, we're going to the beach. It's too darn hot around here. (laughs) (laughs) So we took the day off and it was was definitely needed. That was the first full day I had had off without having to do anything since March, I think. Wow. I've been working seven wow. days a week, every single wow. week. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, there, there are some days where it was like a half day, you know, so I got half a day off. But Yeah, but that's just not enough, you know? It's not, no. Not. And especially, it's, it's the wrong vibration when you're trying to attract wealth, let me tell you that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's that's a good point. Well, you know, it's something that uh, that I've heard myself say to myself and to clients before Um is that, you know, we tend, we have this tendency to, um, really value like hustle. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. You say, wow, I worked, you know, a hundred hours this week. You know, most people are like, yeah, like, oh, awesome. Like, <laughs> oh, you, but it's like, then we want to decompress and, you know, gain all of the rest and calm and re- rejuvenating that we need in one fell swoop you know it's like well i'll work hard all year and then i'll take a week off but yeah right yeah but we have to have breaks like that are more consistent than that that's just not enough and 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 it's been you've been having a heat wave there so what was the beach like was it really hot too hot to be out in or well well, the beach that we go to is on the coast of rhode island and the prevailing wind is off the water so you get a very cool wind coming in, very, very cool breeze. So the temps are actually quite a bit lower right now. Now, we're not anything like the uh, Pacific Northwest right now. Obviously, they're in the 110 to 115 degree range. Um, we are currently in the 100 degree range. So we're not nearly in the, the straits that they're in. Um, and when we went to uh, the beach, the, uh, the beach, the temps were like in the mid 80s, something like that. Here comes Jackie. Hello, Jackie. Hello, hello. Apologies for my unfashionably late entrance. I uh, I was using the wrong link and waiting patiently for you. Oh, all. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> There's something uh, wrong here. Why doesn't this work properly? Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> well, Jackie, Walt's talking about we, that he's in a heat wave right now. Nothing like yeah. the Pacific Northwest, but still in the hundreds. Mm-hmm. What about you? We are actually about 80 to 90 degrees today. Um, okay. I think about 80 something. Okay. Um, nothing, nothing huge. We're, ours is still coming. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know me, I'm, I'm Af- African born and I love the heat. So I will be taking, <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't want air conditioning on. No, I, we don't mm-hmm. have air conditioning on. We have the doors open. Um, so well, especially but, in Minneapolis, it's not like there's a whole lot of, Opportunity to use no, this anyway. No, true. Our summer is a lovely two weeks, um, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's that's not to diminish the folk that are like really baking. That is mm. just it's crazy. It's crazy. 
Well, that's, you know, I grew up on the West Coast, and we would have a couple weeks a year where it was in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I don't ever remember it being over 100 when I was growing up because the 90s was hot enough, but we didn't have air conditioning. Most of the time it was in the 70s in the hot weather. You know, the hot weather was 82 or 85. Right. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, and in South Africa, of course, everything's designed to be cool. So you've got big windows and stone or brick buildings, Mm -hmm. which means that in the, in the summer it's lovely, but in Mm -hmm. the winter it's cold and Mm -hmm. it's hard to, it's hard to heat them. So, and of course here in Minneapolis, everything's so weatherproof anyway, that generally it'll hold either the cool or the heat, depending on which way you, you go. But yeah, it's, um, the summer's going to be, uh, it's going to be really interesting because, I mean, we haven't really hit summer yet and already we've got these temperatures. Mm-hmm. So stay safe out there, everyone. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Or in, in my case, I stayed to the beach, like I was telling Cindy, because, uh, First of all, I needed to get away because I hadn't had a getaway in, in weeks. And second of all, it was too darn hot to stay around here. So we went mm-hmm. to the beach where the temps were like 10 degrees cooler and we had a nice breeze coming off the ocean. So it just cools everything down. Yeah. So it was lovely. It was a beautiful day. Oh, <laughs> good. So the yes, worst thing to worry about was, was, you know, making sure I had enough sunscreen to block the ultraviolet. Once I had that, I was fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. It's very cool. We've been walking, um, we're right on the Mississippi River. So mm. we've been walking like about 6.30 in the morning and it's already nearly 70 degrees and it's so beautiful. It's really uh, right by the river. And as you say, you know, the, the, it's, it's just that little bit cooler and fresher when you're right mm-hmm. by a body of water. Right. Um, and so, it, yeah, it's really nice. Love it. Well, we've been doing a lot of Taya around here lately because yes. of, of me entering that program and so forth. And I did get my my initial um, private meeting with the stream last Thursday. Uh, I touched on it briefly on Friday, but to be perfectly honest, I wasn't ready to talk about it because you know how it is when you are exposed to information about yourself, you know, through a session or whatever. And you're just kind of processing it. It's just, it's too much for the brain to handle. And that's where I was at at that point. So I needed to have time to just, there's a video that, that uh, David made of it. So I could go replay it and just replay it. And I, I was doing something I normally don't do. I'm not a note taker. I was taking detailed, copious notes <laughs> as I'm working through this video. Cause I, I, I wanted, it, it was almost like having a really great soup and you want to get every single last drop of that soup. That, that's yeah. what it was like. It was very interesting. The soup of but, Walt. The soup of wall. That's right. Well, so the video, are you talking about a video that he made with you or that uh, yeah. you watched beforehand? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is, it was a zoom session. So he recorded right. a zoom session okay. and that way I could play it back, which is very valuable. Let me tell you, it just, you just get hit with a lot of stuff when you're doing something like that. It was also a very different experience because I'm used to interviewing the stream here on the program. And we talked about that last time that we were doing this together, how it's a very different experience when it's about you. Well, it really is a very different experience. <laughs> so are you willing to share? Yeah, yeah what, I am what actually. Struck you, what struck you as the most profound? What what really well, rocked the, your boat? The purpose of the meeting is to have the stream lead you to what your top three transgressors are that you're going to work on. And remember we were... Clarify, yeah, by transgressors, they don't mean something you're doing wrong, like Correct. a transgression, just something Correct. that you're maybe not following or behaving in your best way. 
more, more precisely, it's stuff that's been kind of stuck in your vibrational negative vortex for the longest time and continues to haunt you. It's like one of those things that a therapist oh, okay, will try okay. to help you to unearth or, or something like that. So mm-hmm. normally um, something that happened in childhood, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Or at the very least, in general, childhood influences, not necessarily a particular event. Um, and in fact, you'll remember that we were kind of speculating. So what's the stream going to tell me? It's not like I'm the one who is going through therapy and they're asking me a bunch of questions. Well, as it turns out, the stream does ask questions, but the questions are perfect. They always lead you exactly to the right answer the first time around, <laughs> which is kind of spooky, but it's good. It's, it's kind of fun. So anyway, without further ado, the, my, my top three main transgressors, the first one doesn't really surprise me at all. My family going back a number of generations, has major wealth issues. Um, to give you an example, my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, invested in real estate and did pretty well for a while. But like so many people in business, you, know, you make mistakes, things don't quite go right, you, know, you cut corners, that kind of thing. By the time he had reached the end of his life, he was a slumlord. Wow. My uncle, his son, was a ne'er-do-well who just every single thing that he tried to do, he was like a con man almost. I mean, he really wasn't a con man, but he, everything he did is like he was cheating somebody in order to get somewhere. Not because he wanted to cheat them, but just because he didn't know how else to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. Um, now my dad had a very middle-class job. He worked for General Electric Company all of his life. Um, and he did okay, but he was also a child of the depression. And my mom was also a child of the depression. And so they brought that whole, and they both came from relatively poor backgrounds. Um, my mom especially came from a poor Kansas background, you know, just poor farmer kind of thing. And my father came from, I guess you could kind of call it labor class background mm-hmm. um, from upstate New York. And so both of them had that intense depression era child belief that you've got to scrimp and save. You've got to cut corners on, on expenses everywhere that you can. You have to live at the bare minimum at all times. And, 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 and it goes throughout my family. I mean, almost everywhere I look in my family, I, I don't see any success stories in my family. So that gives you an idea of what it's like. So, um, I, I briefly went over that with the, with the stream. The stream knew exactly what I was talking about and they described it as a generational curse. And I said, well, I don't really think of it as a curse, but I understand what you're saying. They said, well, we know that you don't think of it as a curse, but we want you for the purpose of this to think of it as a curse. We want you to treat it like it's a curse. I said, okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure what to do with that one. And I'm still not sure because I haven't dived deeply into the, the, the entire course yet. But uh, I was willing, you know, I, I certainly get it. Um, and it's not the first time this has come up. My own wife years ago, basically diagnosed the same thing about me. So this was not news at all. <laughs> and it fits. It fit. I mean, I could go into a lot of detail, but very briefly, I've had one business after another. None of them have been terrible failures, but none of them have been great successes either. Well, that's not true. There have been a couple that, that just were completely dive off the table failure. But I think everybody who's ever been an entrepreneur goes through that. But I've had some stuff that were you know, relatively successful, but didn't quite take off. Or, or I had stuff that got taken away from me. Um, I'll give you one example that I had forgotten about. It happened about, what was it? I would guess it was 14 years ago, something like that. I ended up getting ripped off by somebody who sold me a website for $10,000. It was this high volume website. It's supposed to be generating all this income for me. He scammed me. 
know, so there's an example of it, right? Mm-hmm. Of how I've got this, this vibration going on where, you know, the, the mark, I, I was the mark for somebody else and they found me. They said, okay, we're going to get our, our, uh, claws into that guy, our talents into that guy because we're going to get a bunch of money out of him. So, you know, things like that have happened throughout my life. It became pretty easy for me to say, yes, I get that one. So that was number one. Now, number two and number three were tied to my parents. And one of the things that both David and the stream, when he was channeling the stream, emphasizes this does, almost all transgressors come from parents and it doesn't mean that they're bad parents. Mm-hmm. It's just because that's where it comes from. That's where the whole thing comes from. So they asked about my mom and actually they didn't even have to coach me on this one. I, I was, it was very easy for me because I have to an extent figured out my mom. Now both my parents have passed on my mom. Um, the best way I've able, been able to describe my mom over the years is that she was a confused person. She was confused about what she wanted in life. She was confused about others. And she went out of her way to make sure that you could never pin her down on anything, which makes for a very interesting upbringing. Let me tell you, <laughs> because among other things, as the stream pointed out, it means I never really had the true mother experience. I never was true. Now, now, I don't want you to get me wrong on this. I don't want listeners to get me wrong. It's not like my mother didn't try to look out for us and take care of us and defend us and all that kind of stuff. It's just I never had the strong emotional kind of connection that most people have with their mothers because my mom was always always had this confused pattern to her. So that was the second transgression. The third one was the surprise because I didn't know what they were going to say about my father. I figured, okay, that was going to be in there, but what was it going to be? The third transgressor was that my father, according to them, and I'm still working on processing this, my father was angry at my mother for her confusion. And that thought never, ever occurred to me, not once in my entire life. Now, as soon as I said it to my wife, Louise, she said, well, yeah, of course. (laughs) So (laughs) it's all in the perspective, right? But from my perspective, I, I had never even conceived of the idea that my dad was carrying this anger all these years about the fact that my mom had this crazy confusion going on. But you know what? It makes sense. As I think about it, it makes sense. And what, what was really interesting, too, is that, like I said, with each one of those, they asked me one question and took me right to the answer every time. There was no probing. <laughs> it was just one question to wow. answer. Yep, that's it. That's your transgressor. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> wow. It was it was really interesting. Well, it, I have it was a question. A lot, but it was interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Did you did you ever have the sense that you knew your dad had anger about something, but you just didn't know what it was? I would not have labeled it as anger at the time I was growing up. At the time. I would have been confused about him in that sense Mm -hmm. Um, because he didn't, except for there was like little flashes that would show up every once in a while. But most of the time it was, it was what I thought of as the people of that generation. Um, And this is something that the stream and I talked about the fact that in that generation, that was a generation where everybody knew what their role was and everybody was playing their role. Mm-hmm. Not in the kind of role that Jackie's talking about where you want to act as if. That's not the kind of role they were talking about. The kind of role is like, okay, well, you got married. Now you're supposed to have children. Mm-hmm. And that led to a really interesting part of the conversation because at one point the stream asked me about what I thought about how my brother, my sister, and I were conceived. 
you know, the, 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 what, what was the motivation that my parents had behind it. And as soon as they said that, I instantly realized that the answer was they did it out of duty. They did it because they were supposed to. Mm. Mm. And I thought to myself, well, that's really interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Now, I know that my, both my mom and dad love me. I have no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I think this was probably true that I was conceived that way. And that means that there was a vibration created there. And that's another vibration that they have to, what they, what they call detune. I have to detune that vibration. So yeah, I learned a lot out of that session. Very interesting session. Yeah. 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 So what, what stands out to you is the most, you know, uh, I mean, it seems like there will be two things going on. One, you know, oftentimes when people uncover something like that, it's a relief because we have a tendency for this, whatever you want to call it, the inner critic, the gremlin, you know, whatever part of ourselves to kind of blame ourselves for everything that hasn't gone, you know, right or however you want to put it. And sometimes it's a relief to understand like where some of it might've come from. Right. It's like, Oh, uh, like the, the most famous, most opened email subject line ever is it's not your fault. <laughs> I love that. Like if yeah. you use that as a subject line, more people open your email. I, I'm mm-hmm. not, I, have, I don't know if I've ever done it. I just remember reading a, a, an article about it. But so, you know, we we don't want to be things to be our fault. And sometimes uncovering the root of something is like a big aha, like a relief. But then also the other question I have is, is there any part of it that feels like, wow, this is really going to be a challenge to to try to overcome because... I'm going to answer the second question first because I okay. think it's, it's got an interesting side answer to it because mm-hmm. the, the stream acknowledged all the work that I have done on myself over the years, but they also indicated that I have a ton more to do. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and my perception was really, I thought I'd gotten pretty far. I don't know. <laughs> I thought so, we were at halftime. How many innings are there? That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm not sure that relief is actually the word I was uh, reaching for on that one. <laughs> it was more like, Oh God, what am I getting myself in for? <laughs> But uh, so that, that kind of is the answer to the second question. The first question, was I feeling relief out of it? I don't think I was feeling relief. I think I was feeling um, confirmation. But more precisely, I think I was feeling focusing in. And I, that doesn't even sound like a feeling. But for me, it was a feeling because as I focused in, it was like, okay, now I know what I need to pay attention to. I know there's been all kinds of stuff that has happened in life. But which ones do you pay attention to? Which mm-hmm. ones do you try to detune? Which ones are the important ones? Yep. You know, said to have somebody else tell you, well, this is the important one. It's like, oh, okay. Well, at least now I know where I have to go. All right. That's progress right there. That so, is a good is that, point. Yeah. So is, yeah it, but it, it gives you that first domino. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is going to be the way to get there to the goal fastest. That's really what it felt like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So That's that really cool because the, the analogy that I have of that kind of when you find that thing is um, in the old days, the, the logging along the rivers and they would have a log jam and then they would call, they would look for the thing called either a kingpin or a linchpin. And they would be that one thing that if they could lever that loose, it would allow everything to flow. We can find that thing. And it sounds to me like the stream has 
a knack of finding that thing. They have a knack at a lot of things. You, uh-huh. you, you picked that up pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. I mean, we talked about how it is different to, um, to do a private session with a stream as compared to interviewing them. And I can't say this is a, a surprise, but it's certainly a confirmation of what I expected because everything is about you. Mm-hmm. All of their answers go directly to you, not to a broad audience. They go directly to you. They're about you. They're talking about you. They're, they're focusing on your experience. They're focusing on your feelings and so forth. And whoa, that is a huge, huge shift compared mm-hmm. to doing an interview. It's, yeah, it's, well, having that, 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 that image focused on you is yes. like some some getting yeah. used to. And it's it's a it's a specific rather than a generalization, mm-hmm. right? I, yeah, like when people ask questions that are very general because they're going to apply to everyone, as opposed to this this applies to you and your specific life. That's pretty uh, powerful. Yeah, and, and what was happening, I, I think this is something that you guys probably have a lot of experience with as coaches because you, you're dealing with people, you know, unearthing their own stuff as you're helping them out. What happens is when you are the recipient of that information, your mind blanks out. You, your mind simply does not allow you to even hear large chunks of it because it's just too much to take in all at once. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I played back um, the, the recording on uh, Monday, I think it was, as I'm playing it back, I realized I did hear all that stuff, but it was like I was hearing it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then, and recognize, and, and the good, this is the really nice part. Playing it back, I realized my comments, my questions and so forth actually made sense. I was really <laughs> worried that there was just going to be this nonsensical conglomeration of junk that all just kind of, it was, I, no, I actually was following a thread. I just, my conscious mind wasn't really doing it. It was my subconscious mind. But yeah, Ooh. it was, it was like it was reassuring I have some degree of sanity left. <laughs> Isn't that an interesting thing though that um that when your brain has your your physical brain your 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 mm. absorbing machine right the computer that takes in all the info when it's when it it thinks that something that's being shared it doesn't jive with what it knows for sure it just closes your ears down or it just it like it just doesn't land. And, and this is the same kind of thing where you can, you know, you can say something to a client and they'll nod and say yes and whatnot, mm-hmm. but it goes straight over. And then two weeks later, three weeks later, they send you a screenshot of some random passage in a book and they go, Oh my God, my mind is blown. And I'm going, excuse me. In the third minute of our third session, I said practically the same thing, but, <laughs> but it is that, right? I mean, it is that our brains, we, we are so much more than our conscious breath, than our yeah. Our consciousness is so much bigger than our brain and our brain struggles at times mm. to, to put ev- to, to link everything. And, and this is the joy of having recordings and things because Absolutely. yeah, you can go back and say, are you sure you said that that time? Because it, we've seen it. I mean, I have read books that I swear to God have got new passages in. Yes. Since they were a year on my shelf because <laughs> I don't know how they do that, but they put new stuff in there because it wasn't there the first time. <laughs> Um, and, and that's just our, our cog, our cognizant brain not allowing stuff that doesn't jive with our current identity. You know, part of that is, I think, protection, right? Like sometimes. Absolutely. It's, Walt and I talk about this a lot too about, you know, all the information that comes at us. And I know whenever I've taught a course, 
I, <clears throat> a problem that I have, I guess we could say, is that I have a tendency to want to feed my course participants a whole cake instead of a slice of cake, right? <laughs> I, 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 I have a desire to kind of over deliver, but sometimes it's too much. And so the way I started dealing with that, besides realizing that I don't have to give so much information, but is to tell my students, don't worry about it. Like whatever you get is what you need to get. You're going mm-hmm. to get what you get. And if whatever you don't get, don't worry about it because you're getting the right thing. And I remember when Walt and I were doing, uh, when we were reading through Neville Goddard books, how many times that there were Neville, there were some Neville Goddard books that I'd read once. There was, I think, even a couple we found that neither one of us had ever read, but there were some that I had read multiple times. And we would come across a passage and I would be like, wait a minute. (laughs) I have never read that before. And it would be something that was profoundly Mm-hmm. important to me at the time that Walt and I were reading. It was like, oh my gosh, like it would be a synchronicity with something else that I was learning. It would be like, like it was spoken right to me. Like this message is for you. And I would swear that I just, ne- I would say that is so powerful. How have I never seen it before? But I really hadn't. And so I encur- I encouraged a client this morning to pull a book off her shelf that I knew she had because I think I either recommended it or sent it to her, you know, at some point years ago and said, pull that off and read it again because you are different now. The book hasn't changed, but you (laughs) you are going to read things in there that you don't remember reading before. I think it's fantastic the way that happens. Like the beauty of recordings too, because you can go back, you can play the recording. There, There was one section where I remembered very clearly that the stream had said to me, that thing is where you were experiencing direct connection with source energy. And I really wanted that because that's the goal that I stated. Yeah. <laughs> the goal I yeah. stated for entering the whole program was I want to really build my connection. I want to be able to have conversations with my inner being, you know, not just get an occasional flash of a message. I want to have total conversations. And I, I've never had that. And David said, well, that's certainly possible to do. You know, let's, let's go with it. Well, in the context of the actual session with the stream, the stream said this thing that we just talked about right now, that was you talking with your source energy. That was you with your inner connection. And for the life of me, I couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> but I could play it back on the recording mm-hmm. and find out what it was. It was actually very simple. Basically, one of the, uh, the one of the things that went with my transgressors is my parents never really taught me self-confidence. Not that they didn't try, not that they didn't, you know, want to. It's, quite honestly, I don't think they had enough to teach it. Mm-hmm. I don't think they knew how to teach it. You know, and, and I understood that. But as the stream pointed out, I over time have had to kind of build my own self-confidence. And they said, when you were doing that successfully, that's when you were source connected. But I couldn't hear that the first time. No. Yeah. Really interesting. It yeah. is really interesting. Uh, and this is one of the reasons I record all my sessions with my clients. Mm-hmm. Um because there will be something that they say. And, and sometimes I'll go back and say, listen to yourself at this point. That is, that's you in your power. Or that is the perfect copy for you to get a client. This is exactly what you do in the world. When you, you know, that, that where you get to that moment where you're waxing lyrical about something that really, you know. Um, and, and they, yeah, this is, this is the age we live in. Aren't we lucky? Lucky, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. 
the stream said something else really interesting too about me, about my experience growing up, because I grew up in this household. It was a loving household, basically a middle-class household. There wasn't any severe traumas going on. Nobody, as far as I knew, ever got raped or, you know, beaten up on a regular basis or anything like that. Uh, but like in any family, there are little things that kind of add up. And in the process of growing up, I was kind of left out of some key information or the key information was withheld or just not provided because they didn't know it or whatever it was. So I ended up growing up in a time where my my peer group as a whole, you know, the population as a whole was moving into acquiring wealth and being successful and so forth. And I was still trying to figure out how to be part of a family. I mean, it wasn't even part of my experience. So I found myself falling farther and farther behind because of that generational curse that had been going on that had been teaching all of us how to be, you know, very poor people. I had been picking that up. And I thought about that and never occurred to me that that was actually what was going on. I mean, yes, as I look back and, and now I have that concept in front of me, well, yeah, I can obviously see it. But that's not what my perception was during the time. Again, that's what makes it so interesting to have that outside, very, well, not very outside, very inside perspective, the super inside, the interconnected uh, source energy perspective, telling me what my experience was in a way that I hadn't even noticed as I was growing up. Hmm. You know, I've been thinking about something since you said that at the beginning about, well, a, a curse. And you said, you know, that's not really my language. I don't really get yeah, that. I don't want that. <laughs> you to think of it this way. But what I started thinking about was that because of uh, fairy tales and different stories that we know, we often think that a curse is something that someone else places upon someone, right? And that certainly can be true. But I think for the most part, it's not the way that curses happen. I think if it's from a person, it's just that that person has ill feelings about you and is projecting energy onto you that's that vibration. But I think when you talk about this generational curse, I think it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy that happens because of the story that keeps getting passed down. And mm-hmm. our stories about ourselves are what create our experience. Mm-hmm. And our stories about our family and our family's stories about our family, right? It's like our parents telling us stories about how it is. <laughs> this is the way it is. And also telling us stories about, I, I, they might not even be verbal, right? They're lived stories. It's right. beliefs and thoughts that get lived out that were adopted from their parents and their yes. parents. Like you talk about people that have been in wars and lived through the depression and all these different things. Those stories, they become the curse because they are powerful and they are sometimes part of our experience without us even recognizing where they came from. It's Mm -hmm. just, you know, whenever you hear someone say the way it is, well, that's just the way it is. That's a big Mm -hmm. red flag to me all the time about a limiting belief. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if the limiting belief is producing something that's really uncomfortable and seems to go on forever and gets passed from one generation to the next, it's a curse, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, there's also an added piece in there. And I have a feeling this is one of the things that the curse, curse, yeah, (laughs) the the stream (laughs) was trying to get me to look at uh, in terms of what I'm doing in, in boot camp. There was a time about around the time of the financial crisis, because 
in the financial crisis, up until that point, I earned my income providing web services to very small nonprofit organizations. So you're talking all, about 2008. The, the, 2008, the yep, the, the, the financial right. bubble and all that, right? And those were the organizations that all got wiped out of existence by the financial crisis. So my business got wiped out of business by the financial crisis, um, which is not a very nice thing, let me tell you. So <laughs> as you can imagine, it, you know, it, it created a pretty strong feeling of anger. Mm -hmm. And I remember at one point thinking to myself and not just thinking, I actually said it, I shouted out loud in anger, um, to, not directly to my wife, but she was in the room. So she heard me do it. And, and I said, I feel like I'm cursed. Like, it's like the, the whole world is conspiring against me. And I remember going through that, you know, so there's the, the, the screen saying, well, you remember that little incident where you were saying that you felt like you were being cursed? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it was true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because mm -hmm. a big portion of what Taya is all about, Taya is about starting off with finding ways to forgive. And I, I, I'm kind of talking out of school here because I haven't done all the, the coursework yet, so I have to work through it. But from my understanding of having interviewed David over the years and so forth, it, it, it's about working through forgiveness, but get, getting past forgiveness and getting to the point where you can actually appreciate the thing that is your transgressive. And when you get there, then that's when you're doing the complete detuning. So here I am faced with having to detune that moment from years ago that just felt, I mean, I was just feeling trapped. I was feeling angry. I was feeling defeated, all in one wrapped up, depressed, angry, anxious package. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I could see, well, yeah, I, that probably has never been taken away. I've never, I've never let that one go, probably. So. Well, and you know, we when we that's basically feeling a bit traumatized, right? That's, yeah, yeah, I was going to say that's a traumatic event. And when we have that happen, that trauma gets held in our body. It doesn't just leave. And so what, you know, I never thought about this quite this way before until now, but when that trauma is in the body, it, it's got to cause a vibration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Get rid of it, yeah. it just goes with us, right? And yeah. it's like really interesting to see if you notice animals, cats and dogs, you know, if they're traumatized in any way, they shake. Right. Yeah. After right? they shake it off. Yeah, literally shake. Mm -hmm. And we don't do that as humans. Like even to the degree that if we're, sh if we're shaking, like with rage or with fear or something, people will say, don't, it's okay. Like, you know, they try to get Calm that. Down. Don't cry. Mm -hmm. Don't cry. Calm down. Oh, you're shaking. Oh my goodness. When it's probably the best thing we could do is to just, mm -hmm. you know, move that trauma through the body because it stays in the body. I've actually uh, kind of envied animals. In fact, I've, I've tried to emulate you know, my cats when they do that. And I just get sick to my stomach when I try to do it because I can't do it without making myself <laughs> sick. But nevertheless, they have, like you say, they have this great ability to just literally shake it off. You can almost see it flying off their fur. It's really mm -hmm. something how they can do that. I saw a video of um, some researchers that they, they flew down in a helicopter and it was um, a grizzly bear or polar bear, giant white bear. It had the biggest paws I've ever seen. I had no idea their paws were that big. It was like, freaked me out. And they shot it with a trank dart mm. and they were studying it, you know, unfortunately, but they kept the cameras on way after and, and they were gone and the bear was lying there 
And it looked like the bear was having a seizure. Like it was really a scary thing to watch. It was not pleasant. And it was like, oh my gosh, what's happening to that bear? And it was just, it looked like it was having a seizure. And then it just got up and it walked away. <laughs> so now started looking in, hunting in some bushes or something. And it was like, oh wow. Like mm. that hugely traumatic thing happened to that bear and he shook it off. He shook mm. it off. Yeah. yeah. You know what I would be fascinated by is to, Find out if you ever, um, as a small boy, Walt, had experienced your father having saying those words or having those words or, um, mm-hmm. or, or the, the, the feeling trapped, like the world is conspiring against oh. you, um, feeling just having that moment where everything is too much. Um, because you have to think, especially uh, with the depression, you know, it was very similar to, um, okay, so it, not as extensive, but it was similar to the 2008 one. The effects would have been the, the vibrational yeah. effects of having this outside thing happen to you over which you have no control, but now have to navigate. Um, and, yeah. And all your, all your dreams, your future now changes. That's what happens. It's like your future self because it, it, all the future selves that you had, the ones where this business was growing, the ones where you could retire on this income, the ones where, you know, this kind of thing, they all get taken away. And we're all going, wait, what? I, 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 I don't have the future that I thought I had. And so you have to A, grieve and B, process, um, or the other way around, depending. But it is, it is that thing. But um, we pick up so much within the first seven years. We are sponges. That I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if there was something in your family, you know, in, in that, that just planted that seed. And so everything, you know, so that's why, well, not why, but that was part of the re- reaction is that you're, it, it is that. I'm sure your father's felt, you know, most people in the depression felt that the world was against them, that everything, that nothing works out. Um, those kind of feelings. It's, it's, it's so fascinating because I, I caught myself saying something one day and my mother looked at me really funny, mm. just like, you know, that sort of, and I went, what? And she said, your father used to say that. Oh. <laughs> and, but my father left when I was four. I do not remember him. I do not remember anything he said. I do not remember anything besides the moment that he actually charged past us and left, right? So I had no idea about this. And That's how it got in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you when I heard it or anything, but my mother said your father would say that in that same inflection. You like this, this it was it was fascinating to say. Wow. And and also another thing, um, just on a side note, the first time I was on stage I was seven. I got my I got a lead in the school production, so I was seven. And my mother came to the first rehearsal and she sat there with her eyes like this. And I went, you look so scared for me. She said, I wasn't scared. She said, I saw your father. I used to sit as a small person in the front row of the theater, watching my father rehearse on stage. And my mother said, the minute I walked in, I walked like my father. Wow. And, that, and that again, so these, these things that we pick up that we have no idea that we are absorbing and taking in as part of our identity until we get them 
highlighted and we go, okay, do you want to stay being this way? Do you want to stay? Because what I can see for you, Walt, is that your family story changes here. This is your plot. You are your family's plot twist. You are. Okay. Yeah. Why not? And there's a plot twist at the end of Act Two every single time. That's right. You know, <laughs> that's what makes the audience come back after intermission. It's like you've got to get them back. So well, it's, written, it's written into the Shakespearean bylaws. I mean, I think it was written like years absolutely years ago. <laughs> right. So you can be a plot twist, and anybody who's listening, we can we can be a plot twist when we decide to be one. We can say that story in my family ends now. Yes. That that particular vibration ends with me. I'm going to do the work to heal it, not just for me, but for everybody. And moving forward, I will not take it with me. Um, and I can't, I can't tell you that I know for sure that there's a phrase like that or a behavior like that. I can point to a behavior that my wife instantly pointed out that I inherited from my father right after he died. Yeah, wow. He had, he had a form of laughing. Uh -huh. And I never laughed the way he did until after he died. And oh, his, wow. his laugh was like a, I'm not sure if I can do it on demand, but it's it's like a, <laughs> it's that kind of a laugh. Uh -huh. And I, I did that totally subconsciously. And my wife said, you just realized you just did your father's laugh, right? I said, I did. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea I was doing it. That is, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and you had the ability to do it all mm -hmm. your life. Mm -hmm. you so just I never did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, what I can point to, and I think this is most likely what I'm going to end up focusing on as I'm doing the tire work, is I had lots of conversations with my dad while he did the family books. He kept very meticulous financial records on the family. And I picked up that habit. I am the financial wizard. I am the bookkeeping wizard. I keep the books for Gardens by Louise. I keep books for my own stuff. I mean, I, I keep my own personal records just like my dad did. I do it with a computer now rather than the way he used to do it, but I do the same thing. And I know that fact alone is contributing to the carrying on of that generational curse. I understand that now, but I suspect there's also like the little things we would talk about. He, he would talk about, he would actually have a budgeting process. You know, here's how much we're going to spend on rent. Here's what we're going to spend on food, you know, and so on and so forth. And he had all his little columns and they all added up and so forth. And as he was showing me all this, he, he was showing it to me with pride. He wanted to, he wanted me to pick it up, right? Um, but as he was showing it to me, I, I had feelings that I couldn't quite and still can't quite, um, put into words right now. But the general feeling of them was, oh my God. It, that, there was that kind, and it, and it was a continuous feeling. It's not something that, that just came when he was showing me the book. That feeling carried on throughout my life. There was a feeling that just carried on all the time. Do you and have that feeling when you do your own books? I used to have it, particularly when I did taxes. Uh, I've worked over the last few years on letting go of that. And this past year was my best year ever for doing taxes. Not only did I get them done quickly, but I had no discernible angst, which was a record for me. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it shows the work you've done is working for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the fact that I can point to in my own mind that experience and those serious experiences, it wasn't just one time. This was like, you know, many, many, many times as I was growing up from a very young age up until my through my teens, even after into my twenties and so forth. 
over and over again, seeing my dad do this, having conversations with him. Tell, he was telling me about what was going on with the family finances and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure it was just being ingrained in me through that process, all these messages about there isn't enough money. There can't be enough money. You always have to scrimp and save. You always have to watch how much you're spending. You know, don't buy the most expensive one, buy second best, mm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Really pinching. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, it's so understandable for, um, given that, you know, how they grew up and, and mm -hmm. that, um, and, and still, nonetheless, within the context of who we are now, it still takes some work to release it. A lot of work. Yeah. And I think that's what the stream was really talking about when they said that there's a lot more to go. Because I can I can kind of get a measure of how much work I have done. And I can also notice, I, I still see stuff pop up in my own behavior patterns. Um, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll see that Louise has a tendency to leave lights on all over the place. And I, I go into that mode of, oh, no, we got to save money on it. Now, how much money is, an act, is a light actually burning? Not that much. Mm -hmm. It's pretty That's general. What are we doing? Air conditioning the whole outside? Yeah, right, yes, right. Yeah, exactly. The neighborhood? Yes, absolutely. As a, yeah, it's um, I, I, I'm working on being made of money because my mother would say, what do you think I am, made of money? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And it's I love like, it. I want to be able to say to my grandkids, I am made of money. Mm. And, and just, and at the moment, it's just like, yeah, right. But I'm working on it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> what do you That's think? Money grows on trees? Well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, it is a, it's such an interesting thing to notice. I, I mean, I, 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 I am so intrigued by, the effect that our vibration has on the task. Mm -hmm. So you're doing taxes. You used to do it with this feeling. Now you're doing it with that feeling. The, the, the task is the same, but you have changed and therefore the outcome and the, the task shifts almost. Um, it's a, you can, if you can keep your books in a kind of happy, expansive, um, there's there's so much left over type array, uh, uh, vibration. Um, it's very different to saying, okay, I got twenty five dollars and I need to make sure that I can, you know, going down to the last penny or whatever it is. Um, it, it it is. I I talk to my clients. It's like you can clean your floors like. Oh my god, I cleaned my floors yesterday and I'm having to do it again today. Mm -hmm. Or you can say. I, I can, I can clear my, clear the residue of who I was and I can make this like a little house witching spell and I can enjoy the fact that I have clean floors and it's so cool. I have floors to clean. These, all of these things, the, the, the vibration we bring to a task is ours entirely. We get the chance to choose. And when we get the, we get some spotlighting on how we've been, and how it's always been, this is the way it's been, then we get the chance to choose something different, and it's way cool. I did that with Mondays. Um, Mondays? Right? Because everybody's always like, oh, Monday, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I got a case of the Mondays and Monday. And I just decided that I was going to make Monday, like, really awesome. And I... And I still, to this day, I schedule in a certain way so that Monday feels really spacious. And so it doesn't feel like, ooh, it's Monday. <laughs> I read a thing about how, you remember that, that, um, that advert that had the camel going, um, happy hump day. 
It's, oh, yeah. it's hump day. Remember that? Mm-hmm. With Wednesdays being hump day? Right. People apparently, uh, the mood, general mood in offices went up on Wednesdays because of what everybody agreed with in this end. It's a social agreement, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 It's Wednesdays. Yes. Let's go. This is good. Happy Wednesday. My and husband and I crack up because we'll say like, it's Friday. And then we both start laughing and go, so what? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Us, it's like things aren't that much different, right? Exactly. I, I love that meme with uh, Maggie Smith. She says, what is this weekend? What is a weekend? That you right. Of, right? <laughs> and, and, and that's precisely it. It, we can feel that way. We get to choose and, and, um, but when we can clean up some of the, the seed of why we feel that way, we can, we can, it's easier, I think, to, um, to get really specific. I think that's what makes it more potent. We get specific. I don't think you have to find the seed to be able to change the vibration, but knowing the seed helps you change the vibration very specifically. And with I the uh, bookkeeping, I've, you know, I was like, what I was going to say is with, with the bookkeeping thing, I've, I've already started to find at least one way to turn it into a good feeling thing. Um, I think I think I told you guys. I'm pretty sure I told you guys. Um, in May, I reached a milestone. My wife and I reached a milestone mm-hmm. for the first time in our married lives. We are out of debt, completely, mm-hmm. 100% out of debt. Ta-da. And the way I've been using that since then is I still do my books and I still keep my credit card balances, but they're all zero. So I'll go back and I'll look in the books and I'll see if there's zero. And I'll go through them. I'll, I'll click on each one. Yep, that one's zero, and that one's zero, and that one's zero. <laughs> oh, it's so good! Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and when I had, when I was carrying so much debt, and I had to go and had to go, I went to work in retail to pay it off. I took a screenshot. It was one of the first sort of technical things that I learned to do. Took a screenshot of my credit card statement, and I changed out the numbers to mm-hmm. paid in full. And I, I used that and it, I mean, mm-hmm. it took me four years, but I was, I had that moment where I was gonna, um, and to this day, I'll rehearse playing, uh, Cunard has a world trip, a world cruise where you go to, it's, it's over a hundred days and you go to Ooh. so many different ports. I really want to do that. It's a mere 35k to start with. Um, but, <laughs> I practice going to book that. I go to their site and mm. I'll click and I choose my room and I choose where I want to stay and I just, you know, I put in the, the food options and then I, and then, and then I get ready to be able to pay. <laughs> um, that's prepaving. Yes. It right? is. That is well, absolutely it. So there, there's a second piece that, that goes along with it. Now that I've gotten it down where I have no debt, I still pay for things with credit cards and then I, you know, use the, the checking account to pay off the card. And it's a really funny thing. I'll go to, cause I'm still keeping the books. So I'll, I'll spend something. I'll go to the credit card section and I'll spend the thing and it, it just ruined it. It just turns it into a negative number. So I instantly have to go over to the checking account and transfer the money over <laughs> in order to keep the high vibe going. Cause I don't like seeing that number there. I want and, back down to zero. And the credit card people are going, we hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, right. my credit card, my, my credit score is up to around 800 for the first time in decades. You know, right. so. Yeah, it will be. Absolutely. And then they send you little notes about, yeah, we're not going to get you any, you know, we're not going to raise your, um, we'll change your APR or anything because you don't need it. 
<laughs> but we are going to offer you more credit. How about that? Yes, I know. It's so funny. So funny. It's going to be so delicious to watch how you navigate the person that you are now with this information. Because if you know different, you do different always. It's not better, but different. Um, so now it's going to be so interesting. It's to, going to be interesting to be that person. You are that person. You're just going to have to learn to. No, but I mean, it's, going to, it's going to be interesting to be that person going through the experience of doing oh, yeah. exactly what you just described. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's one thing to to hear somebody else's story, which is great. It's another thing to actually be living the story. Mm-hmm. I know. It's so cool. Yeah. Like, Immersion. This, 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 is, this is me talking about somebody else on the show. This is this is me. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so juicy. So yeah. juicy. I mean, to go back to what you talked about, Jackie, this is me being the star of my own life. Well, yeah. there you go. My work here is done. <laughs> oh, don't go, don't go. People who are, people who are um, experiencing other people's like emotions or physical pain, like people, I, I hate to say people that are empaths because humans are empaths. Right. Mm-hmm. And That's what makes us human. A healthy human, you know, should be feeling other people's pain and other people's emotions. It just shouldn't be triggering or traumatizing us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. So, but when we do that, when it happens to me, um, I've had both experiences. I've had suddenly feeling terribly sad or something. And you know, why am I feeling this way? And realized, oh, this is not me. Um, and also physically, I've had physical pain that I found out the next day someone close to me was having a surgery or had an accident and it was that pain. Right. Um, and what I have learned to do now, and this doesn't happen to me all the time, but when it does happen, it's really obvious. And I say to myself, Oh, this isn't me. Like sometimes it takes me a while, right? Like I'll be like, what is happening? One time my foot felt like it was on fire. And I said to my husband, my foot feels like it's on fire. Like I've gotten a severe burn. The next day I found out someone close to me had had surgery that they didn't tell me about. And they said it felt like my foot was on fire. And I was like, uh-huh. so now when some odd thing like that happens, I say, when I finally realize it, why is this happening? Why I might struggle with it for a while. And then I go, Oh, this isn't me. This hmm. isn't mine. And I can send blessings and let go of it. Right. So I'm thinking about you, Walt, when, when that feeling arises of, Oh, like, you know, anything, it's like, now you can go, Oh, that's not me. That's mm-hmm. true. That was bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that's not me. I picked it up, mm-hmm. but I don't have to carry it any longer. That's not me. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, I'm going to be using that for sure. I don't yeah. even know what tires going to do, but I'm I'm already convinced I'm going to use that one. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, so good. It is good. It it's also an interesting experience to do this on the show. Because I have to admit, there was a piece of me, this, this isn't something that people normally do where they go through something like this and then they broadcast it to the world. Yeah. And that, that's, a, that's a little bit different. And I've always been a pretty private person anyway, up until at least until I started doing a, a podcast. Um, then I realized, well, the entire world that watch, listens to my podcast knows my life, so no, screw that. But nevertheless, there's still that piece of me that says, you know, hey, you're, you're kind of doing this, you know, in public like that. And even as I say that, I can just feel like the, the, the nerves in the back of my legs saying, oh. so there's that oh, feeling again. <laughs> well, you know, you can always give yourself the grace of doing the work and then sharing it in the rear view mirror. I mean, right. there's no pressure on you to share in the moment. 
Um, especially not if it gets in the way of the work. Yes. It's and important to give yourself that grace. And, and I'm already doing that. I mean, there were certain aspects of the session with the stream that I'm not ready to talk about. And I, I may never want to talk about, mm -hmm. but the parts that I'm bringing out are the parts that I can talk about that yeah. I do feel comfortable talking about. And that's and the way I really like the project. Yeah, and those are the parts where people are probably going to be able to really relate. There's right. a reason that you feel that that needs to be out in the in the 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 field, because you know obviously somebody else will need that, and so it's a good thing. And it's an interesting thing too because I really feel very good about releasing that part. It's not yes. like it's a struggle. Mm -hmm. It's not like I had to sit back and say, "Hmm, do I really want to talk?" It, it hasn't been like that. So good. Yeah. So when I, I mean, I knew I was going to talk about the three transgressors from the moment that I realized after replaying the session, because I couldn't remember it the first time, but from the moment I realized what they were, I said, oh, yeah, I can talk about that. That's easy. I'm okay with that. You know, Excellent. So, so it's not like this is a struggle. It's just different. It is because you are you are new. You are not who you were before you went into that session. And now mm -hmm. you're going, ah, oh, this is who I am now. I can talk about this. Yeah. Listen to an actress telling you. I mean, <laughs> actresses have a lot to teach us. There is no doubt in my mind about that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the theme we're going to come back to, by the way, over time. I can tell you because I, I really firmly believe that. And I believe for the longest time, we kind of try to do it here on the show, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how it's going to play out more that you're on the show now. I believe strongly in the power of storytelling and <laughs> storytelling. I mean, we, we all love stories for sure. But I think there's also a need to learn how to tell stories. So I've been practicing learning how to tell stories here. And I'm hoping that what we do here on the show actually encourages listeners to learn how to tell their stories or to yes. tell stories that are important to them. Yes. Because I really believe that's where the best growth happens. Mm -hmm. the Absolutely. It's all connected to our story, right? It is. Yes. Yeah. And the words we use to describe everything because words are spells. That's why they're called spelling. That's why in the beginning was, in the beginning was the word, the words we use to tell our stories are exactly, that's everything. So. Wow. Yeah. That's it. And that's, right. Like, that's the idea with that curse. It's just a story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And right. how you thought about wow. it. You used the word curse to describe it, changed your whole experience of that same story. So True. now I just have to break the spell. I think it's already breaking, right? It probably has broken, and you're now coming out and going, ah, look at this. Look at who I am now. Hey. <laughs> quote, quote the famous Jerry Rubin, who was once asked, what would he do once the revolution actually occurred and they were actually able to bring down the establishment? His response was, well, I think we just kind of sit there and groove on the rubble. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Such so a juicy conversation today. Thank you. I'm doing a little grooving on the rubble, and I appreciate you ladies for joining me as I'm doing my grooving. <laughs> so good. Thanks so much. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to the listeners who uh, didn't go away after we weren't uh, here for two days, but we're back once again. And uh, thank you especially to people who uh, have been going through their own Thai boot camp because there are other, there, I know that there are currently at least three people who are listeners who are going through the boot camp. So thank you to you guys too. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.